You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, a podcast hosted by me, Brett Fisher. I'm a DevOps online course creator, consultant, and a Docker captain. This podcast contains clips from my weekly YouTube live show, where I host a real-time Ask Me Anything style chat with guests and anyone who shows up on YouTube chat, many of whom are students of my Docker courses. You can find out more information, including show notes for this episode at brettfisher.com slash podcast. That's B-R-E-T-F-I-S-H-E-R dot com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. In this episode, I sit down with Gerald Croez of Containus from KubeCon. We talk about the release of Traffic 2.0 and other projects like their new service mesh offering on top of traffic called Mesh. And as a reminder, this podcast is listener supported by those of you that buy my Docker, Swarm, and Kubernetes courses. If you're already one of my 130,000 students, I thank you so much for your support. You can get coupons for those courses at brettfisher.com, where you'll also find my YouTube Live, my container newsletter, and other free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Now on with the show. On the show this week, I'm very excited because we've been talking and planning about this for a month, and it just happens to be the show uh, on the week of KubeCon. So welcome to the show, Gerald Croez, who's from France, but currently in San Diego at KubeCon. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. I'm I'm glad that we got this. That the Wi-Fi worked. Everything's <laughs> everything worked because uh, it's yeah. always challenging. It shows, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's the VP of Engineering at Containus, and if you don't know who that is, they are the company that makes Traffic, which is that uh, logo on his shirt there. Uh, he's been working in IT for 20 years now and assumed many different roles, including developer, speaker, software architect, enterprise architect, CTO, developer, and now is the VP of engineering at Containus. He is somehow always managing to work on open source projects, and his history with Docker is closely related to how Traffic was born. And he joins us today from San Diego, like I said. So thanks again for being here. Um, tell us about the show. Like, what have you, have you been to sessions? You're probably hanging out with friends and catching up with people, but give us your take. Yeah. Uh, I wish I could have, uh, uh, attend some shows, uh, but unfortunately, uh, there are so many people and the crowd is, uh, so, uh, the booth is so overcrowded that unfortunately I wasn't able to, uh, to attend anything apart from, uh, welcoming people at the booth, uh, talking with the community. We've had great feedback from users, uh, great conversation. Uh, that's mostly what, what my days were, uh, at the KubeCon. Yeah. It is, it is incredible there, like uh, 11,000, maybe 12,000 people. Uh, we have two conference hall full of sponsors. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm sure it's a maze. And I think the largest one I've ever been to on a regular basis was uh, Microsoft's old tech ed conferences, which they were always uh, 10 to 15,000 people. So I, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if this continues to grow because three years ago, it was, it wasn't, it was a, a tiny little conference compared to what it is now. So every year it feels like it's uh, not quite uh, almost doubled in size. And so obviously they can only go so big. There's only so many places that have to can fit 20,000 people. So we'll see what, what next year entails. Yeah. So, all right, you were in the booth uh, talking all about traffic and the other tools that you guys make all week long. So uh, why don't we just jump right into the, the traffic stuff 
But um, actually, before that, let's check the questions and see if anyone has. Uh, we got some people on from uh, from Berlin. Hello, hello, Michael is here. Another Docker captain, and um, hence when uh, we do have some questions unrelated. A question about Docker CE nineteen oh nine. I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about that. So uh, we'll see when Docker wants to announce it. I haven't even seen any betas yet, so I'm not sure when that's going to come out. Um, and everyone else, we have people from Oregon. So hello. Um, so real quick, what are people, I mean, obviously they're talking about stuff at the booth, but I, I ta I've talked to some people and they were saying that everyone, of course, is still talking about the Docker news from last week. So I just wanted to bring it up because yeah. it's, it's definitely a big thing. Um, so we had the show last week. And we had a special show with other Docker captains on just to talk all about the news of Docker splitting the company and selling off their enterprise business and then refocusing their efforts back on developer tools, which is kind of like the OG Docker back six years ago was what they were really focused on, just making it easy for developers to build and deploy apps. So um, there was a call today that was from Rantis, the company that bought the enterprise stuff. And for those of you that are going to ask on the call, because I'm sure people are going to give us the questions, I just want to get it out of the way now before we get into traffic demos and all sorts of cool stuff, is that what we do know is that Swarm is definitely supported for at least two years, and they're very interested in seeing feedback from their paying custom customers in the community um, on whether they want to see continued support for Swarm or if everybody's going to eventually move to Kubernetes. So I think that that will largely be determined over the next few years by how many of the customers still want to have features and pay for that support. So th those of you that are wondering, that's that. Um, of course, I'm a big fan of traffic on Swarm, so we won't be demoing specific to Swarm stuff today, but if you have those questions, feel free to throw them in and we'll get to them later. Um, and what, what else was there on the call? I think there was, they were talking about a conference. A lot of people on the show have asked about DockerCon because everyone's at KubeCon and thinking, okay, when's DockerCon next year? Because those are the two big, uh, container conferences, and we don't know yet, although they still are talking about what conferences next year will look like for Mirantis and Docker. So we'll we'll keep you posted on that. So that's the news, I guess, of the week. Uh, of course, at KubeCon, uh, there's not a lot of news in the keynotes because it's all open source. So typically we all know what's already happened in open source. So there's not like surprise reveals of new products. Um, but you all were talking about uh, traffic, and traffic 2.0 came out like two months ago, I believe. Yeah, two months ago, I, uh, I believe too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. I think it was September sometime when I, I remember tweeting about it. Um, and you know, 1.0 was around for years, and 2.0 had some major new features. So um, why don't we just jump into it? Let's talk about some of those 2.0 things because I. Like a lot of these people, I'm still using 1.0, haven't made the jump yet to 2.0, so let's talk about it. Yeah, sure. Um, so 2.0, uh, with 2.0, our efforts were really focused on making uh, every breaking changes we had to make to, to have features that weren't possible with 1.7, 1.x. Um, these features, uh, especially one of the, the the main feature that came with 2.0 was uh, TCP support, and we really had to rebuild uh, the internal architecture of traffic to make that happen. 
Um, we also uh, jumped on to add middleware support, which is basically a way to configure uh, everything that has nothing to do with the pure routing part. If you want to tweak the request before it's sent to your service or, or uh, yeah, uh, and, and you want to combine that uh, in many different ways, uh, this is uh, where you have to look for. Uh, the, the configuration is definitely more consistent um, and there are, well, many different things you can do with it. Um, also, uh, what we've been working on for Traffic 2 uh, is the Kubernetes uh, CRD. Uh, we have our own Kubernetes CRD uh, to, because the, the problem with the ingress uh, uh, version 1, let's say, uh, was that the, the, the common definition uh, was just uh, the, the root of uh, what you can do for routing. But, but unfortunately, the, uh, 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 vendor specific and even though you could believe that having this ingress uh, version 1 uh, was enough, uh, and that you could switch from an ingress controller to another. Um, it wasn't really the case because of these uh, vendor-specific annotations that and that weren't uh, super easy to configure. So uh, many ingress controllers have made the switch and have developed their own CRDs and who went to the to the same direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, and that's interesting too, yeah. right? Because to talk about that for a second, so those of you that are are not aware so kubernetes has a feature that swarm and uh other orchestrators don't necessarily have out of the box called ingress and it's i believe still in beta but it's an the idea is is that you can do http specific proxying with pre-built commands and functionality that then any proxy company could then write their code their apis against and essentially create a uniform process for setting up proxies for your applications, right? So, um, and, but yeah. you're saying with 2.0, you're basically, you're, you've got more stuff and it's easier if you don't use that. Um, so that's an interesting, interesting dilemma. Yeah, it, it makes more sense to configure like uh, everything with a, with a proper CRD where everything has a, a proper definition. Like if you want to use middleware, you don't have to put a, a a huge block of configuration in your route. Yeah. So getting back to the uh, some of the other features, um, I'm sorry. Actually, I might have interrupted you. Was there other was there other features on the list? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we have a new a new routing rule syntax uh, that makes easier to add uh, operators and combine the rules uh, for easy routing. Yeah. <clears throat> we have cross support at the same time. So one of the main advantage of traffic is that it is compatible with, uh, with uh, many different orchestrators, uh, whether it's Docker, whether it's uh, Kubernetes, whether you want to have a plain configuration file, why not? Either you want to have a key value store to store your configuration. And with traffic, you can combine uh, uh, configuration sources and, and to make it work with uh, all of them at the same time. So this cross-provider support is nice because you can configure a middleware and reuse that middleware from Kubernetes, from Docker, for, from Mesos, if you still, uh, if you use Mesos. Okay. So it's a cross-provider was a thing. Yeah. Um, and we, 
yeah, we've introduced also better ways to do uh, mirroring, to do canary deployments. We've reworked on the web UI, on the dashboard. Uh, we've added many different tweaks for uh, the TLS configuration. So it, it was a huge uh, release with many features. Yeah, yeah, but but at some point we had to we had to stop and release <laughs> and, and ship release it. the software, you know? <laughs> right? Right? Uh, yeah, leave something for three Why don't you? Like, what are you gonna? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, we already have ideas, but uh, yeah. yeah. So let's talk we'll more about the TCP about real quick. Uh, the TCP yeah. feature set I, that's not necessarily obvious to someone who's only familiar with web proxies. How does uh, what would be a good example of when you would use the TCP feature? Oh, um, I, I could uh, I could talk about a classic example. I, I might have a diagram like it's a it's a it's a candid example, but 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 still, uh, I don't know if I can share my screen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I will I will do that. So here. Don't know if you can see it. So a classic example of TCP support is when you have a database. And here in the example, uh, imagine you have your traffic on your cluster. And you want traffic to route uh, either the dashboard that is pure HTTP or request to uh, Mongo itself, uh, which are sent in TCP, pure uh, TCP. So with, with traffic um, on the same port and at the same time, you can have it route request to your Mongo database uh, with or without TLS, and also uh, to your classic dashboard. And, and traffic will just handle everything, whether it's HTTP or uh, TCP. So that's a common use case. You, you don't have to have two separate tools uh, to handle these. Yeah. And um, semi-related to that, we got a question. Does traffic replace the need for Nginx ingress or Istio? Uh, uh, I like to believe so. Uh, well, you, you need fe you need features. You need an ingress controller. Uh, right. You might need service mesh. Uh, you need your service to communicate to communicate to communicate with each other. So that's the need, and there are tools to help you with that. And our take on these tools with traffic or, or mesh, we might talk about that later, is that it should be uh, simple. You, you mustn't be an expert at networking or at, you don't have to be an expert in ops or anything to be able to deploy your services, to connect them together, to make them uh, available to your to your customers. Everything should, should be simple. Right, and, and uh, my take on that, um for the person asking is they I absolutely prefer traffic over ingress just because I get so much more out of the box and I it's a lot less effort I've lost count of how many people in my courses are asking for a functioning nginx config to do a simple proxying of a website and then like how do they manage their certificates and all that stuff well um the thing that yeah. really initially got me excited and when I started using traffic very early days was um, when the, the Let's Encrypt support was built in and the, it was designed to essentially uh, not have to completely restart in order to change the configuration. So those two things where it was, it was, it was meant for a world where we're deploying containers rapidly and we need to update our proxy configs in real time. 
and then at the same time, uh, just providing me that Let's Encrypt SSL automation without having to go find CertBot and a bunch of other tools and then plug those in to try to get the whole thing working. It's kind of um, a one-line deployment in my mind. So that's my thing. It is. <laughs> yeah, and then Istio, that's a whole different ball of wax, right? Like that's a service mesh, which we probably will get to later. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, what else? Uh, what other rabbit holes can we go down? Uh, let's see. Uh, if we're asking, someone's asking about HTTP3. I don't yeah. know anything about HTTP3. I didn't even know that was a thing on the horizon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it is a thing. Uh, I confirm that uh, it is on the roadmap. Like we have people already working on it, um, and we would like to have uh, it supported for maybe not 2.1, of course, because we have we are in RC right now. But probably 2.2 will have will have the first draft for HTTP3 support. Okay. Uh, good to know. I'm gonna have to go read up on that now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm still learning HTTP too. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, let's see. Uh, does Cert Resol Resolver displace Cert Manager in our K8s deployments? What well, is a good? This is a good specific question. Oh, uh, does, uh, so yeah. Uh, what was the question again? Yeah, uh, he's asking. Uh, it's, uh, it's a. I'm assuming it's. I'm not I'm sure who it is. They are asking, uh, cert resolver displace, does cert resolver displace cert manager in our K8s deployments? Oh, um, so the, our cert resolver is, um, is our system to, to, to retrieve certificates for, um, for uh, your routes, uh, basically. <clears throat> it's a new system. So either uh, you have uh, configured certificates in traffic, either you configure a cert resolver to retrieve the certificates for you, and you can configure actually a cert resolver for Let's Encrypt integration we just talked about. And cert manager is a third-party tool, uh, so that will help you uh, integrate with Let's Encrypt, and you can configure uh, Cert manager along with uh, traffic. If you want to have an HA uh, deployment of traffic um, and still use Let's Encrypt for um, for certificate management, yes. Yeah, and that's the idea. Um, for those of you who haven't used traffic before, is uh, that's the idea is that needing to get certificates is an uh, is an assumption of the project out of the box. So unlike most other proxies where you have to solve your own certificate problems. Uh, traffic has that uh, as a like a day one feature. I don't know if it was literally day one, but when the, the day I started using it, it was a Let's Encrypt was a built-in feature. Um, so and that's really great because there's so much. We you know with you go to conferences and everyone's telling you everything is supposed to be SSL, and then it's your burden as the you know developer or mm -hmm. DevOps person or whatever, the ops person, that you now have to figure out your cert infrastructure for just how do I keep them? How do I, where do I store them? How do I, you know, there's so many decisions there that you just, it's a project. Um, and I feel like this really lowers the yeah. bar. I remember the days where, when I had to configure my certificates to buy them, to renew them, and th these were not happy days. Yeah, and it and it didn't scale, right? Because I mean, how are you going to do a hundred websites at different endpoints? Like, 
it, it, that's why people start buying wild cards <laughs> because you only wanted to do it yeah. once and you'd buy the certificate for five years and you'd put it in for five years, you know, and then, and then when the certificate gets, you know, now everyone has a copy of the certificate. It's everywhere. Every admin has a copy on their desk. It's like, it's just bad. So uh, I think the Let's Encrypt model has really not only provided free SSL for internet accessible servers, but I think it's sort of creating this model where internal infrastructure is now more likely to be automated than the old horrible approach of yeah. downloading certificates from a website and then bundling to, them together with a script and then all, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and since uh, you mentioned it, uh, wildcard certificates with Let's Encrypt is also a new feature uh, mm. available in Traffic 2. In Traffic 1, you couldn't generate wildcard certificates with Let's Encrypt, but in version 2, you can. So that's, uh, that's a neat tweak we added there. Yeah, I like it. And, I, and it's funny because I, I was using it, but I guess I thought I was using wildcard, but I guess I didn't really pay attention. This was for a a pet project I use when, when I'm when I'm uh, demoing stuff. I have a domain and I just essentially you, I I point that domain in uh, in DNS and uh, as the wildcard to everything, and then traffic just goes and gets the certs for whatever containers I deploy automatically. Like it just knows the name because yeah. I put them in the metadata, and so I never actually went and go went to pay attention to the individual certs to see if they were individual or a wildcard based cert. So it's funny you say that because. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I didn't realize I wasn't getting one. <laughs> it just works. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And, and you're, you're not the only one because uh, on support, we see many different crazy architectures. And we've had multiple times users ending up with uh, gigabytes of certificates that, that had been generated with traffic. Yeah. Um, but the question I was going to ask was, um, I don't know much about the Enterprise Edition. So if I remember correctly, like a year ago, you all announced that you were, um, for those of you who don't know, like Traffic was this project started years ago, uh, and then a company was formed around it. And then last year you released Docker, or sorry, uh, Traffic Enterprise Edition. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> Isn't that what your shirt is? I think you actually have the business version of the logo that yeah <laughs> i actually have the business version he's more yeah he has a suit you know <laughs> so yeah i i can talk to you about this uh this enterprise edition um so uh the the main things we wanted to do with the enterprise edition were to give you the tools to operate a cluster of traffic uh at scale uh, so we focused on our energy on improving the HIP part, uh, the scalability, and the security part. Uh, the whole architecture of traffic has been redesigned to have uh, to have a cluster with separate controllers and proxies. So basically, we talked about it just before. Um, traffic is able to automatically discover your cluster configuration. It will retrieve information from uh, your containers, from your ingress objects, from your key value store, whatever. So this is what we call uh, providers. And in traffic, so traffic being the open source uh, version, which is the, the, the flagship product, uh, everything is done by the same binary. In the enterprise edition, we've split that into two different parts. So the controller is the only one responsible for retrieving the configuration. 
Um, and the proxies are responsible for uh, the routing itself. So this is the controller who will query the orchestrator and will uh, provide the configuration to, to the proxies. So this is, um, this is an architecture that helped us um, uh, implement many different, uh, uh, different uh, distributed features uh, like we have distributed rate limiting, we have distributed uh, max connection. Uh, it also handles uh, better uh, distributed let's encrypt because depending on the on the challenge you use, uh, you have to elect leaders uh, to make sure that uh, the, the the negotiation for your certificates are handled properly. So um, yeah, the, the the three selling points we'll say for the enterprise editions are. Uh, HA scalability, improved security, um, and and yeah, distributed uh, features. Uh, if you want to deploy, uh, you know, like a new configuration, new connectors to your traffic instances, you can do that with just one one command line. You have um, commands to import your certificates. Like if you have uh, in an enterprise, you often have bought uh, many certificates. You want to deploy them, to back them up, everything. Everything is, uh, yeah, if you want to operate a cluster, basically, it's uh, all uh, built in. Yeah. And talking about Docker, uh, I remember also um, some features, uh, like on Docker, if you want network discovery for your containers, uh, this is something we can do with the enterprise thanks to the controller because the controller will be able to attach the new networks to your proxies. So this is something uh, that can't be done with with traffic vanilla, but that can be done with uh, traffic enterprise edition. So new, so new networks that show up. Yeah, exactly. Like um, if uh, because uh, if you want traffic to be able to route the request to your containers, uh, they have to share the. Uh, a common network, right? Yeah. Uh, if you if you don't do that out, out of the box, um, the enterprise edition will will be able to see that your container doesn't have uh, a common network and will just attach this network to to the proxy. Oh, so that because that's always been sort of a, a challenge is when you so um, let me just spit that back at you, make sure I understand it. So when, uh, by default, uh, previously with traffic, if you needed, a, if you had a bunch of unrelated apps or even, you know, apps that were part of each other, but they all needed to be behind this proxy, you generally, the design mm -hmm. uh, logically was to, was to create a Docker network, Swarm network, whatever. And then the traffic would be connected to that as well as all the apps that it potentially would be proxying. But you're saying with EE, the way that works is that you don't have to have necessarily that one big network where everything is accessible and you could then sort of yeah, yeah protect the routes to sort of speak so that only the ones that need access get the access but no one out you know they can't see each other necessarily you're not exposing one untrusted app to other apps through this uh this potential proxy network that is what i what i do all my examples have it that that way and that's pretty cool that ee yeah. can do that uh, so, so yeah, EE does that. The controller sees that you need you, the proxy uh, need to join a new network, so it will handle uh, that specific part. Yeah, and all of the cluster stuff. Of course, being an operations person, you know, anytime someone talks about, um, you know, 
the assumption, like this product is built with the assumption of redundancy and fault tolerance, like sort of out of the box. And so, you know, I, it, it reminds me of how hard it was in the old days when, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, a decade ago, uh, especially with certain products, it's yeah. still painful where, you know, when you want to start talking about actual true, you know, fault tolerance, especially uh, like change tolerance and being able to update configs without rolling updates and all that. Um, it was always very tedious. And then you got a bunch of hand wavies around how fault tolerant this thing is and whether there's any downtime or not. And that is, oh, it's very, it's, it's technically, um, you know, a hub, but it's small hub or whatever. And it's like, it, it gets a, a little, when you start to d d dive into those specifics, it gets to be a little challenging. So it's nice to hear that, um, especially like the back end of this and the, even the let's encrypt stuff, which a lot of us kind of take for granted that it always just works. Um, but when you start talking mm -hmm. about the, the high availability of that, um, that's, that's really interesting. So. Yeah. And regarding fault tolerance, uh, we have, uh, fault to tolerance either on the routing part, like if a proxy goes down, then the others will take over. And we also have fault tolerance for, uh, configuration discovery. So you can have multiple controllers or multiple proxies, uh, at the same time. So yeah, it is HA on many different levels. Yeah. And even if you co completely lose your uh, control plane, you know, like every controller, uh, like they all uh, go down for any reason, the proxies uh, will still deliver uh, the routing part based on the last known configuration. So okay. if, even if you restart completely the, cl the cluster, uh, no requests are lost. Yeah, so it's... It fails safe in that way. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I got some questions, I think. Let's see if we, some of these questions can, uh, we can get through these. Um, one question is, do you publish or share pricing for Traffic EE? Huh, that's a good question. Uh, of course, I know the pricing for these, but the best option is probably to contact our, our salespersons. Uh, yeah. That's engineer, uh, an engineer uh, asking uh, engineers uh, about pricing. It's always a risky, risky question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to spoil anything, you know. But uh, the, the pricing model, uh, to be honest, I, I really believe it's, uh, it's quite uh, super simple to understand. There is no crazy, crazy calculation you have to do. And uh, we basically have, let's say, three options. The entry level, uh, which is uh, really cheap. Uh, and that comes with uh, basic support, like business hours support. And, and you can go up to 24-7 um, support with uh, as many proxies and controllers as you want. Um, so, you, of course, it's a, it, it is more expensive, but you, you, you have a crazy service with uh, crazy SLAs when you need help. Yeah. One question here also. Um... So if we have so if we have clusters running already with ingresses set up, we can install traffic to those clusters and be up and running. Is there a Helm install? <laughs> so two two related questions. There is yes. So uh, we have a Helm chart. Uh, we have Helm chart for uh, the one point X branch, and we have a Helm chart for the two point uh, two point X branch. We haven't updated yet uh, the Helm chart, the official Helm chart to version two, because that would update everywhere, every cluster where, mm -hmm. where traffic is, and we don't want to mess uh, with uh, people's clusters. Uh, but there is a specific hem chart for version two, 
so that was the question. And what was the, the first question? Um, it's, uh, I think it was talking about uh, saying, if we have clusters running already with ingresses, uh, and I'm assuming that because they're saying questions about Helm, they're talking about uh, Kubernetes, can we install traffic to those clusters and be up and running? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, traffic is an ingress controller. So if you install traffic, it will just uh, use the ingress objects to route your, your request. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see if this, um, this question, do you have some forward auth, OAuth slash OIDC examples in a particular about the forwarding a JWT token to a service? We're getting we're getting uh, we're getting nerdy now. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> we yeah, there has been many discussions uh, around where uh, the feature sets should stop, like because we really want traffic to be a like a data plane, a, a proxy, like to handle routing, and the whole authentication uh, for now has been considered to be over the line. You know, uh, it, 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 it shouldn't be in the same feature set, but, um, we have a specific middleware, uh, that, and I guess this is what, uh, they're talking about, which is the forward authentication middleware. I'm looking for it there. So basically you add the middleware to your route and the request will the. um, uh, the headers and uh, everything that concerns the request will be sent to an authentication server that will basically uh, say yes or no and will authorize the request to be to be forwarded to the service or not. We don't have uh, examples with uh, GWT or or other things. Um, I know for sure that there are people who have written articles uh, about that. And it also, if you go on GitHub and look for issues there, uh, people have written uh, third-party, uh, let's say, servers that are compatible with these uh, forward authentication mechanisms, and you should find uh, solutions for being uh, handling OAuth and, and, and everything. Very cool. Uh, next one is, do we have a way of building custom middleware? This is a great question. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> this is a tricky question too, because I don't want to, to hype anything and to commit to anything, but uh, providing ways to, uh, for people to customize even further uh, what they do with traffic is really something we're working on and we're actively working on it. If people follow what we do at Contagious, it is easy to see uh, what we do toward this specific goal. Um, currently, uh, so it, but it comes with many challenges. Uh, we can do that uh, easily. Uh, it requires some effort. So currently, no, unfortunately, you cannot write custom middleware uh, with, uh, with, uh, with traffic. You would get like the, the official traffic image. Of course, uh, the architecture for the whole middleware uh, has been completely redesigned and is aimed at being super easy uh, to write a new middleware uh, with its own configuration and so on. So writing a new middleware is really straightforward. 
but currently, if you want to do that, you have to uh, to compile your own traffic with your own uh, middleware. But we're aware of uh, many people ha having done that, but but currently you won't have any mean to uh, integrate that uh, in uh, in the official uh, traffic image, unless of course your middleware is 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 great, and and then you can contribute it to to traffic itself. Yeah, I, I would say stay tuned for more information about that. All right. Um, can traffic be used to block? This is the last one. Then we're gonna we're gonna shift topics. Uh, can traffic be used to block okay. slash filter access to an app by an IP address or based on request header information? Yes, sure. Uh, and once again, this is all done by middlewares. Uh, so first, for we have an IP whitelister for uh, blocking requests from specific IPs. Well, that don't belong to uh, to th this uh, this IP. And to filter middleware, it's in the route. It's in the rules. So uh, routing and load balancing. If you want to go to router. And then you see the rules, and we have some rules that will act on the headers. So you can add uh, conditions there. Very cool. All right. Um, I love all the questions on traffic. That is uh, it, clearly you've got some fans. <laughs> you got some people that are definitely interested, as well as people that are already using it. Uh, I think the, the last one here is on is two. When is two point one coming out? I feel like it didn't that just drop. Yeah, 2.1 is coming out. It's in release candidate since uh, yesterday, I believe. Uh, yeah, but yes. Uh, yeah, RC2. Yeah. Or something, yeah. RC, yeah, RC2, yeah. So, you know, it ships when it ships. That's the answer to our committees. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, uh, it'll hopefully by the end of the year, yeah, it, it'll, be, it'll be released. All right. Um, I'm going to put that GitHub link in there for people. That's the, the releases there for the open source. Um, so let's shift just a little bit. We're still going to be talking about traffic technically, but let's, uh, yeah. let's shift to talking about uh, mesh, or I was calling it mesh, but I think we're going to settle on yeah. just mesh. The simple service uh, mesh. We'll, we'll say mesh. <clears throat> yeah, we like to, to call it the simpler service mesh. Um, so uh, mesh is a traditional service mesh. It is fully SMI uh, compliant, and it handles uh, east-west communication. So services uh, to services in your cluster. The, so what flows inside the cluster. Our take on service mesh is that we didn't want to embed to inject sidecar proxies uh, to every services. Uh, because it's really demanding on the infrastructure, and it also comes with uh, increased complexity when it comes to manage your, your cluster. So our take with Mesh is to make it simple and to deploy proxies per node on your Kubernetes cluster. So instead of having thousands of sidecar proxies, you only have like one proxy per node and a controller that is responsible for configuring uh, the Mesh proxies so that your services can talk together. And for the routing part, 
we leverage DNS um, DNS rules uh, to send communication to uh, to the mesh proxies when a service wants to talk to another. Um, so yeah, the approach is really uh, simpler, uh, and at the same time, you can do like. 85% of what you can do with uh, sidecar proxies. It's just simpler to, to use and to configure. On a side note, uh, and it comes with no surprise, the, the mesh proxies are uh, traffic to instances. So basically, whatever you are used to do with traffic, uh, you can do it with mesh, but for service to service communication. Very cool. And um... You pointed out, <laughs> you were like, uh, I think one of the first things you said was, you know, one of the negatives of, or one of the challenges up front when you want to adopt a service mesh in Kubernetes is that it's not only do we have a lot of proxies already, but it's going to, yeah. it's going to explode. It's going to be an order of many magnitudes more proxies. And that yeah. has always been a challenge for me. I don't, I mean, I, you know, I understand, yes, they're really tiny and, um, but when you're an operator and you're building big servers and there's mm -mm. hundreds, if not thousands of processes on that server and ha oh, you know, half of them are the same thing, <laughs> that can be a little challenging. Yeah. It can be a little challenging, especially conceptually. I think sometimes the hangup is on, this is too much stuff. Like there's just clearly, I don't want to double yeah. the number of processors on my, or processes on my servers in order to just have this new feature that my mm -hmm. devs are asking for. Um, so it, and we, yeah, we've had people. Go ahead. We've yeah. had people coming to our booth uh, asking about Mesh and telling us that they had terrible experiences with uh, with other uh, service Mesh, just because it, uh, they needed twice the infrastructure they had to to make it yeah. work. Yeah. So they were really interested in into a different approach. Yeah, and of course that's the great thing about all this stuff is because we're 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 figuring out all these ways to plug into the different APIs so that they all can work and you can swap things in and out that these different approaches can happen. Cause part of my, I mean, I, I own, I think I own the domain name solo DevOps. Someday I'm going to have like a dedicated site there just for people mm -hmm. that it, okay. they're the only DevOps person in their team. And uh, I, whenever I talk at a conference, it's usually about a quarter of the room that raise their hand that say, I'm it. Like I'm the only one all that's right. gonna, you know, I'm the only one that's going to have to figure out how to run these servers um, I think, and maybe someday we're all going to be running serverless and none of this will matter. But um, until then, people still have to care about servers and processes on servers and memory management and CPU management and all that. And so uh, I always appreciate things like traffic where it solved two or three problems that I used to have all in one solution and stuff like this where I don't have to deploy, a, if I want to deploy a dozen apps, I don't have to deploy over a dozen proxies to do it. Um, so I'm very excited. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. So I'm excited to... Uh, Play with it and and get some and put some feedback to y'all because you know I'm already excited that this is gonna potentially um, for those of us at the lower end of complexity where we don't need necessarily yeah. every possible feature of every service mesh. Um, I like simple, which is part. If you if you look at the back there, there's there's these things like Docker and Solo, <laughs> all these different companies, and they're like I I gravitate to them because they focus on simplicity. Uh, first, um, and they don't add functionality just for the sake of adding it. So, yeah, this is this is, this is definitely our credo. We we want to make things simple. 
you, you don't have to be an expert to to leverage these tools. Yeah. And then, of course, for those of you that are listening, you're like, what service mesh? I don't even know. I keep seeing things on the Internet. Um, you want to give us the elevator pitch for when and why you might need a service mesh? Uh, I will say, well, the basic idea, uh, I would say you start to use uh, service mesh when you want to know what does the traffic look like, looks like inside the cluster. So you want to get metrics of which service uh, calls, uh, which other service, and also if you want to add um, credentials from service to services, you want access control, or if you want canary deployments for these services uh, inside the cluster. Basically, you want to control the flow of your uh, of what goes inside the cluster. Very cool. Um, I know that there's an increasing number of features because now that now that this proxy goes in the middle between all the things, um, it's 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 kind of limitless what we just what we can throw there if we really want to, <laughs> you know. It is limitless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's a La last year. I, Go ahead. I, I remember. Sorry, that last year, uh, service mesh was was a thing. Like everybody was talking about it. Um, but nobody was really deploying them. Uh, right. Not really. People are were just getting interested into it, like discovering the concept. But this year at KubeCon, I can I can tell that uh, people are starting to switch their their mind and are are starting to to deploy them to play with them. So uh, I guess it's uh, people are starting to get comfortable with the idea or more mature on the whole microservices architectures yeah and, and that's it's funny because like the, the tool can exist tomorrow and i tend to forget this for others because i i do it to myself where just like we talked about the you know doubling the number of processes because you're going to put in some proxies um my mind lags behind my education right like i've I, just because i've learned about a thing doesn't mean i'm ready to use it yet um that was i uh yeah. It, it, it's rare that the day you learned of a tool, you're like, okay, I have to use this as fast as possible. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I think, definitely. yeah, and I think service mesh is one of those things where it fundamentally changes all the traffic and all the places by adding more hops and adding more functionality. But then it gives you the EBGBs at first because you feel like I can't possibly, like, how could this be good for my application? It's surely going to be wicked slow and require the double infrastructure problem, right? Um, but yeah. yeah. When people come to me and ask me, uh, do I need a service mesh? Uh, I say, no. If you ask the question, you don't. <laughs> that was actually, uh, yeah. there was a slide. There was somebody who presented. I saw it on, on Twitter. Um, I, I don't know if I could find it fast, but there's, uh, I was scrolling through the, the, the KubeCon pictures, and there's one from early on where someone's doing a talk yeah. on service mesh, and there's a picture, and there's a slide that says, do you need service mesh? No. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And it was, but it was, <laughs> it was a talk on service mesh. Yeah. 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 Um, nice. Yeah, I can't find it, but uh, it's it was early days. It was like three days ago, so that's like a thousand KubeCon pictures ago. So, right. Um, all right. So we're we're just at an hour, and I think we've covered most of the bases. Of course, there's so much more we could talk about. I know you all have other open source projects, um, but we're probably going to have yeah. to save that for the next episode because I surely want to talk more about uh, traffic and especially as we see uh, uh, mesh 
grow and the feature set. We did have a question actually, is there any plans for that to work on Swarm? Um, uh, I, I will have, it is, if it's possible, we'll make it happen. I will say that I don't think there's any service mesh to date that any of the community leaders, like the captains and whatnot, have got fully working on Swarm. It's just a different architecture model. And all of the yeah. the, the service meshes are pretty tightly integrated with the Kubernetes API, so they would have to rewrite against yeah you know, all the, the Docker API, essentially. So And anyone, mm -hmm. anyone at that scale of that problem typically is already running Kubernetes. So I can, I can see that it's a very small market, uh, uh, and compare it, you know, because there's like there's there's the Kubernetes market, then there's the swarm market, and then there's a swarm market that needs a service mesh. So we, we're talking about a small percentage there, but uh, I know that there are people that would cheer and uh, be super happy if that swarm swarm would have a mesh option for those of us that want the functionality but don't necessarily need a hundred server cluster. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things. But yeah, once again, uh, super complex problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So thank you all for the questions. I'm I'm gonna. I think we've. If I missed your question. I apologize, but we had a lot of good questions today, um, and I'm glad we got everyone on here. Um, so uh, real quick before we go, uh, where can people find you on the internet and learn more about your stuff? You and the company. Um... <laughs> So if I had to choose just one place, I would encourage people to use our community forum. Uh, this is where the conversation starts. But of course, uh, if it is about uh, feature requests or an issue about any, any products we have, just uh, issues in GitHub. Uh, and if people want to contribute, uh, pull requests are always welcome. But yeah, if you want to you know, uh, just uh, talk to us, the community forum is uh, is a great place. Great. All right. Well, you go join the community forum. Of course, you can you can ping me on Twitter. Yes, and that's a good if point like. because we both have our Twitter handles uh, at the bottom of the screen there, yeah. so you can you can find us there. Um, and uh, you've got another. Is there another day of KubeCon left? Uh, yes, there is. Uh, 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 oh no, no, no. That this is the last day. This Sorry. is the last day. <laughs> Yeah, so you're halfway through the day yeah. almost. Um, so we'll have fun at the rest of the conference. Hopefully uh, you're not completely exhausted after hanging around 12,000 other like-minded computer geeks. Um, that can, no, that's, not yet. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's always fun. Um, it's just everybody goes home and passes out for the weekend. So uh, but <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. And I'm glad thank we got to so work much. this out. And thank you to everyone who showed up to ask questions. It's been a great chat, and we will be uh, we will be off next weekend for the holidays in the, in America. We have Thanksgiving next weekend or next week on Thursday, so we will not be doing a live show then. But you can expect to see us back here in two Thursdays for another YouTube live uh, talking about containers, Docker, DevOps, Kubernetes, and all the things. Thank you so much. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode. <laughs>